So, a couple of announcements before we, we get into our, our sermon today. Number one, as always, thank you to the grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles who took the time to get your kids ready for church. I do know we have some kids that are in Disney World. Is that where they're at? That's, that's acceptable. Disney World's unacceptable. I wish it was us in Disney World, but it's them, so I uh, hope they're having uh, a great time. But again, thank you to everyone who got their kids ready. And then after service, there is a huge, there is tables of goodies in the fellowship hall. We're having a bake sale to help support women's ministries. Make sure you stop by there and spend a bunch of money and get a bunch, like if you need cookies or whatever for a family Christmas gathering, this is a great time to stock up on that. Um, also, just a quick note, and I think it's in the lifeline, but our office manager, Dan, will be out of the office the week after Christmas. So if you need anything worked into the office, uh, be sure to let Dan know um, by the midweek so he's not overwhelmed trying to get out of here. Thank you, Dan, for all you do. Uh, Christmas Eve service. There will be two services, Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., just like always, uh, but there will be no coffee hour. And then Christmas Eve service at 5 p.m., that night, it's going to be a great time for families. Bring your kids. Let your kids wear Christmas pajamas. Let's have a, have a good time. So that's the two services next week for Christmas. It's here already. Can't believe it. Okay, and then here's a note uh, also. I talked a little bit about it last week, and I want to make an important note on this today. So the LCMC, we're part of a a global network of churches, Lutheran congregations on mission for Christ. They are calling all their churches uh, worldwide to three days of prayer, January 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Each day for us will have a prayer focus. And here's what I want you to pay attention to. And if you have any need some more clarity, uh, please come and talk to me. So Tuesday, the 2nd of January, I want to focus that day on praying for your loved ones, family, friends who do not know the Lord. I want to see people who do not know the Lord, who have wandered far from God, come back to the Lord in 2024. This is the time to start bringing in the harvest, and we need to prepare that by praying. So, what I have is I have a sign-up sheet in the narthex right out there on the table. If you want to sign up, it, uh, put your put your name, your loved one's name, if you want to uh, disclose their name. You don't have to. But uh, just so that we can be specifically praying over your loved one who does not know the Lord. And then on the second, we will pray over those names. On the third, we're going to focus on praying over the community of Graham, over Washington State. How many of you know our state needs some prayer? And then finally, on the fourth, we are going to be praying over living word, the vision, the leaders, the people, everything about this church. We want to focus on praying. Now, last thing I want to say about that is on the Tuesday and on the Wednesday, we will have prayer meetings in my office at noon. That's Tuesday and Wednesday, noon prayer in my office. And then Thursday, we will have a prayer gathering right here at 6 p.m. Okay. I know some of you can make maybe a noon gathering. Some of you can make an evening. I wanted to make sure it was accessible to everybody, people who work, people who don't want to drive at night, people who have different things going on. I wanted to make one available to you. All this information, I will make sure that it's in the lifeline and that it's clear. So if you need any more information or if I wasn't clear enough, please ask me and I will tell you about that. Yes. 
Can it be put on Zoom? You know, I can try. I don't want to. I don't want to throw that on somebody. When I, when I say somebody, I mean Ron. <laughs> I don't want to throw that on Ron. Uh, but uh, we we can try. Um, let let me do my best this week to see if I can get something. Uh, organized to be able to do that, you know, because I know not everybody can make it. So that's why I wanted to have a, a noon prayer meeting and then a, a 6 p.m. prayer meeting. So, yeah, I will do my best. Okay, thank you. Um, and I think that that is pretty much all the announcements. So if you have any questions about anything I said, make sure to let me know and I can, I can make things a little bit more clear for you. Okay, we're going to be talking today out of the gospel reading, out of the book of Luke. And I want to uh, build a little bit of framework around that gospel reading so that we can kind of understand what's going on as we really dive into the Christmas story over the next couple weeks. Now, the people of Judah did not like the Jews in Galilee. We know Jesus was from Nazareth. They did not like Jews in Galilee because they interacted with Gentiles. And they especially despised Jews from Nazareth. Isn't that interesting? Because that's where Jesus was from, mainly because they fraternized and did business with Gentiles. Okay? Mary was a Jew from the tribe of Judah and a descendant of David. Now, Joseph was also from the tribe of Judah. Now, engagement in that culture was almost as binding as marriage and required a divorce to break it off. We know Joseph and Mary were engaged at the point Gabriel comes to visit her. The culture of that day indicates Mary was most likely a teenager. A lot of scholars would say 15, 16, some 14, but she was young. The angel Gabriel appears a few more times in scripture. Number one, to bring Daniel comfort as he understand, seeks to understand the timetable of Christ's earthly return and to bring a message to Zechariah, the priest, the father of John the Baptist, that John the Baptist would be born. Gabriel stands in the presence of God. He was a messenger to the people for a specific purpose that had to do with Christ's earthly ministry. So, let's pick up our story in Luke 1, 26 through 33. We have it there in front of us if you'd like to follow along. Now, we know Gabriel is sent from heaven, the holy presence of God, to a town that is despised by the Jews because of their fellowship with the Gentiles, like I just said. And I think that's what this season is all about. The anticipation of a God who is coming to offer salvation to all people, to everybody. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your creed is. I don't care what your economic status is. Christ is coming for all people. Mary had such a great response to the angel's greeting. She did not think she was seeing things. And this, think about this. This is a 14, 15-year-old girl. She had such a great response. She didn't think she was losing her mind or going crazy. She knew she was stepping into a holy moment. And she could recognize that, and we see that in her response. She responded with humility and positions herself to engage with whatever the content of this visit was going to entail. Now, the Bible's not very clear about who Mary was before this moment, but her faith 
or what her faith was like, but she knew immediately that this was going to be an encounter from God. And like many of you, I myself have had God encounters in my life that shaped not only my life going forward, but the lives of all that would cross my path from that moment on. I want to tell you a little story about myself. When I was 19 years old, I was not following the Lord too well. I was going off on my own way. I'll spare you all the details, but I was that kid in the youth ministry who sat in the back and left early and got in late, okay? That was me. You can draw your own conclusions to the kind of kid I was. But during that season in my life, I worked as a prep cook at a restaurant in Lakewood. And in Lakewood, there's this uh, restaurant there and it was a very busy restaurant. People came in and out all the time. It was a buffet-type restaurant. And I was working as a prep cook. On Father's Day in 1999, I will never forget this day as long as I live. I've told this story many times. I may even have told it here. I, my shift ended at 2 p.m. I got my stuff. I left the, the restaurant. I walked out the doors to my car. And I realized I had forgotten my hat. I went back in, got my hat went back out the doors. Right as I was leaving the doors, some family friends, old family friends who followed the Lord were happened to be showing up for Father's Day lunch. I hadn't seen them in a few years, joined them for their Father's Day lunch, and a couple of the kids were my age, and they invited me to a youth service that following Thursday. All right, I'll go to the youth service, whatever. Ended up begrudgingly you know, going to this youth service. And during this youth service, they were so nice and they were so authentic. I have no idea what the preacher was preaching about, but all I knew is when the words were coming out of his mouth, I knew I needed to repent of my sins. Whatever, I, can, I could not tell you what he was talking about. I didn't have the mindset to follow a sermon, but I knew I need to get right with the Lord. That moment was a hinge moment in my life that set me on a path to going into the ministry, going to seminary, being in ministry for years and years and years, and now standing in front of you proclaiming the word of God that as a young kid I didn't want anything to do with. Mary had a moment like this that would change her life and everybody's life from that point forward. And I believe Mary had two choices. She could have rejected what God was saying, what the angel was saying, or she could surrender even though she did not know fully what the extent of her surrender might be. Gabriel goes on to say some amazing things that her surrender would bring. Number one, she would have a son named Jesus. So Gabriel spoiled the gender reveal. Number two, he would be son of the Most High God. This is a teenager. Teenager. Harmony, stand up. That's my daughter. Imagine a 14-year-old girl. My daughter's 14, almost 15. 14-year-old girl getting this message. Okay, as a father, uh -uh -uh. go ahead and sit down, Harmony. <laughs> he will sit on the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign. His kingdom will have no end. These are some heavy things to say to this young girl. All of a sudden, God's plan for humanity hinges on the choices 
of a teenage girl from the culturally dirty city of Nazareth. Now, I believe we go to two different extremes when we talk about Mary. Number one, we can magnify her to this grand deity putting her before Jesus. And I believe at times we can ignore her completely and overlook the supernatural role she played in God's plan of restoration. Mary was a servant of God. She sets an example for us today. And we need to grab a hold of the kind of faith Mary had and the kind of trust and put it in to practice. Our faith in God needs to be stronger than our doubt in ourselves. Think about that for a minute. Our faith in God needs to be stronger than our doubt in ourselves. <clears throat> now, she goes on to say, how will this be since I am a virgin? This is very difficult to teach to children. And I know we have children in here, so I'm not going to get too into detail. But this is such an interesting response to all that Gabriel just proclaimed. She just said, okay, well, if that's what's going to happen, help me understand. I, I need to understand what this is going to be. Mary didn't question what Gabriel said. In fact, her response leads us to believe that she believed every word. She was just seeking clarity to the simple fact that she had never been with her husband yet. It's okay to ask God questions. He's okay with it. When we suffer loss, I believe it's okay to ask him questions. When we are confused spiritually, I would suggest that you ask him questions. When we are overcome with doubt, ask questions. God is not intimidated by our human need to understand. In fact, he created it. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Mary's question was basically, What would you have me do? What would you have me do? What an amazing answer from a young woman. Gabriel told Mary the fruit and outcome of her obedience before giving her the assignment. God told Abraham he would be the father of many nations. What did Abraham say? I'm too old. God told Moses he would lead the people out of Egypt. What did Moses say? Well, I can't talk. God told Jeremiah he would be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah said, well, I'm young and unlearned. While we know all three of these biblical fi uh, figures were used by God, they had trouble along the way. Mary sets an example. Let us have the faith of Mary and stop giving God reasons he can't use us. Think about that. Let's have the faith of Mary and stop giving God the reasons he can't use us. Finally, Gabriel goes on to deliver the heart of the message that can now be delivered based upon the response and position of Mary's heart. The Holy Spirit did a miracle in her reproductive system. What happened to Mary was pure, holy, righteous, and worthy of celebration. Mary experienced a beautiful and intimate and sovereign encounter with God. The world wants to make it something unholy and something despicable. This was a holy encounter. 
He told Mary that he would give her the confirmation to settle her heart that God was at work. I mean, imagine how overwhelming this must have been and the complete trust that Mary needed. Okay, remember, a betrothed Jewish girl pregnant with a child that wasn't her husband's, a Jewish girl from Nazareth that was going to raise a Jewish son that would bring Jews and Gentiles together. Imagine that. What would the family think? What would Joseph, her fiancé, think? What would the community say and how would they treat this girl going forward? If God wasn't in this, it was going to be a disaster. But God always chooses things that don't make sense to us. God has chosen to use a barren woman from her childbearing years, speaking of Elizabeth, and an unmarried virgin to give birth to the men who would usher in God's divine plan for humanity. Talking about John the Baptist preparing the way and Jesus Christ coming as the Savior of the world. 1 Corinthians 1.25, and I'm almost done. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We need to learn to trust the character of God when we do not fully understand the process of God. Think about that for a second. We need to learn to trust the character of God when we do not fully understand the process of God. Mary knew that her God was and was going to give her confidence, reassurance in the process that God was about to take her through. Finally, I love Mary's response to all this. She says, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. From Mary's womb would come a man who speaks the same response to God throughout his life and ministry. Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus said that time and time again. In Luke 22, as he was praying on the Mount of Olives, the Bible says this, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when they came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down praying, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours will be done. That is a divine prayer and a human prayer the humanity in him wanted to was was concerned about what was coming the divinity in him knew there was no other way we are going to be coming into some places in the history of the american church that are going to be painful hard discouraging and frightening that's why it's so important to raise up the next generation like god did with Mary. These young kids are going to be facing a completely different world. And if their faith is not strong, and if their faith is not foundational, we will see the church crumble. But if we can raise up the next generation to be stronger than we are, they will carry the mantle of the Lord Jesus Christ to the nations. We have God's word, the Holy Spirit, and God's people to learn and practice this type of faith. Because from this type of faith, comes true joy. This week we celebrate joy. Joy is not based on circumstances. It's based upon faith and hope in our God. I do not like the word happy. I don't like the word happy because happy is something that the culture seeks. I want, I want happiness. I want to pursue happiness. I want the dopamine release because I'm pleased with my situation. 
<laughs> happiness, like I said, happiness is that result of that dopamine being released in your brain when you're pleased with the outcome of a situation. Back in the, day, back in the days of the apostles, coming to Jesus was a dangerous thing to do. Some parts of the world today, your faith in Jesus can be a death sentence and rejection from your family. And I believe this very strongly. What's coming at the church over the next 10 and 20 years here in America will either strengthen the church, causing the greatest harvest of souls in history, or destroy the church from the foundation. We must allow our God to fill our hearts with joy. His standard of satisfaction, Mary no doubt needed the joy of God. Jesus absolutely needed it, and we too, as the church of the 21st century, need it just the same. The joy of the Lord must be our strength, regardless of the situation around us. As the ushers come forward, let me say that one more time. The joy of the Lord must be our strength, regardless of the joy of the situation. <laughs>